Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Travel Talk Radio. Uh, this is your host, Bob Nessoff. Our guest this evening is Jim Devine, who is a lecturer, a historian, and an author. And now that everybody's up and traveling again, uh, you might want to pick up some books or read some things that will make those long, long trips a little more bearable. Good evening, Jim. How are you? Okay, Bob. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I'm glad you're with us. Now, tonight uh, we're discussing a, a character, I guess is the only way to, to, to describe it, in American history, uh, Major General Dan Sickles, uh, who apparently was involved in presidential elections, almost lost the Battle of Gettysburg by himself, where he lost his leg from what Jim was telling me. But, Jim, why don't you tell us who Major General Dan Edgar Sickles was? Okay. Uh, Dan Sickles may be the quintessential American rascal. He's certainly one of the great rogues of the 19th century uh, in America and probably uh, still to, uh, to this day. Uh, Dan, Dan Sickles was born in 1814 and stretched out his life, uh, 1819, and stretched out his life all the way to 1914, and he was able to pack a lot into that time. Okay. What, uh, what brought you to do uh, this material about him? Well, uh, what, what brought me to this is uh, I, I teach at uh, Bergen Community College and Passaic uh, County Community College, and I was preparing a, uh, a, for a course called uh, Selected Topics in U.S. History. I was going to do a two-hour lecture on American rascals, and I had three in mind, Aaron Burr, uh, Dan Sickles, and uh, Spiro T. Agnew. thought that would fill in. Uh, two hours nicely. I knew there was an awful lot of material on Aaron Burr, who was one of my favorite people. Uh, but I, when I started to dig into it, uh, Daniel Sickles is is like a, a, a one volcano after another that just keeps on exploding uh, throughout uh, throughout his his career. Scandals. Uh, followed by courageous action, followed by uh, profession, uh, great professional action, followed by another scandal, and it just went on and on for uh, for the for the guy's life. Uh, his major scandals. Uh, uh, let's let's start with his major scandals. If we have time, we can talk about some of the minor ones. Uh, he uh, is the first man in the United States history who uh, was acquitted of first degree murder. By uh, by reason of temporary insanity, uh, as you mentioned, he uh, almost lost the Battle of Gettysburg single-handedly by uh, moving his corps from the middle of the uh, Union fishhook line on the second day at Gettysburg, July second, eighteen sixty-three, three quarters of a mile west uh, through the famous. Uh, Devil's Den and Wheatfield and Peach Orchard, where it created a bulge that Longstreet and the First Corps of the Army of Northern Virginia almost managed to penetrate. If they had, they would have split the uh, the um, uh, the Union line and probably rolled up the uh, the the, the, the Army of the Potomac in what's called detail. Uh, I'm sure you know what that is, Bob. He's just uh, taking on one part of the army after another, rather than taking them all, taking them on both at once or or, or uh, several of them together. It's, it's it's being able to do it in detail. After the war was over, uh, because of some of the good actions that he performed as an administrator uh, uh, in the uh, in Reconstruction South, he was uh, as a reward. 
uh, a payoff, actually, by Grant when he became president. He was named minister uh, to Spain, which Grant and Hamilton Fish, his secretary of state, of state thought was going to be a backwater. But uh, General Sickles managed to bring it to the front lines. He uh, immediately began to uh, became uh, 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 engaged in an affair with Queen Isabella II of, of Spain, uh, who herself was in a power struggle with another group for control of Spain in order to impress her. He, uh, he tried to throw United States influence on her side, almost uh, ended up in, in a war between the United States and Spain over something called the Virginius Affair. Uh, that was Virginia's being a ship that was carrying American mercenaries, Civil War veterans to Cuba to fight as uh, in, on the side of the Cuban insurrectionists versus the Spanish overlords. At that time, Cuba was, was still part of Spain. It was another 30 years before the Spanish-American War. Uh, he then came home eventually from, uh, from, from Spain to perhaps his greatest glory and what really got me interested uh, in him. He was the primary fixer of the 1876 uh, presidential election, and we can get into that uh, later if you want. And then he capped off his career. In uh, 1912, he had been the, uh, the chairman of the New York State uh, Civil War Monuments Commission. Now, New York State uh, provided more uh, uh, men to the Union Army than any other state, uh, almost a half a million. And so, therefore, New Yorkers fought not only in the Army of the Potomac, but also out west uh, in, the, uh, in all the various Western arm armies under Grant and later, uh, later Sherman, Rosecrans, uh, George Thomas, uh, uh, etc. So there were, there were Buku battlefields, myriad monuments to make on Buku, to build on Buku battlefields. He was chairman from 1868 until, until 1912 when it was discovered that the equivalent of three-quarters of a million dollars in uh, monument commission funds were missing. And uh, he was forced to resign at the age of 93. But he was never prosecuted, and the embezzlement was uh, never solved. Those are well, his let's major highlights. Let's, let's, let's go back a little bit, take some of these things one at a time in detail. Sure, um, sure. He was, he was involved in several scandals. You just mentioned one. What were some of the other scandals that he was involved in? Well, the, the, the first scandal... Is well the, the 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 absolute first scandal. If you decide, if you don't consider a 32-year-old man, which he was marrying a 16-year-old girl, which he did in 1852. In 1853, Jerry her name the was. Early days. Yeah, he was. Uh, she was uh, supposedly intellectual advanced for her time, for her age. Uh, her father was a uh, an Italian composer named Bainagli. Uh, um, Bainagli. And he was the uh, chairman of the Columbia College Music Department. But he, uh, if you don't consider that to be a scandal, the next year in 1853 he left her uh, home when he was appointed uh, secretary to the uh, to the uh, American minister in in uh, in London, James Buchanan, and he brought with him a uh, a New York City actress named Fanny White, who was no better than she should have been, and he. Uh, he uh, presented her, uh, Fanny White, to at the court of St. James, right up to Queen Albert, uh, Queen uh, Victoria, and and Crown and Prince Albert, as the daughter of James Gordon Bennett, the famous uh, New York City publisher. 
Uh, but then the major scandal, the first major scandal, comes in 1859. He's back in, in New York, has been elected to Congress in 1857. It's in his second term, and he is, uh, he is active in the social life of Washington, which is a very southern-oriented city at that time, dominated, uh, dominated by the South. And although he's active in it, he's, uh, he's kept his wife, pretty much locked up in his mansion in Washington, or so he thinks, until he gets word that she may be having an affair. And he, so he uh, sneaks home from uh, the Capitol uh, one day to, uh, to check, this, uh, check this out, and lo and behold, a gentleman walks out of, the, uh, walks out of uh, Sickles' house uh, during the middle of the day. He uh, well, whips out a pistol and shoots the, uh, the man uh, dead in the street. A, a block away from the White House. The man's name was Philip Key, as in Francis Scott Key. It was his son. Uh, Philip Key was also the district attorney of Washington. Uh, he then turned, Sickles uh, 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 then turned himself into, uh, he wasn't fooling around with, with, with marshals or with the Washington police. He turned himself in directly to the Attorney General of the United States. His name was Jeremiah Black. Uh, the only time that the an attorney general of the United States has made a murder arrest in all these in all these years, and uh, he then assembled the 1859 uh, 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 equivalent of the Dream Team of a Dream Team defense, and uh, and uh, was led by uh, uh, Edwin McMaster Stanton, a famous lawyer at the time who would go on to become the uh, probably the best Secretary of War we've ever had under Lincoln, but he got off. Um, uh, Stanton got him, and the Dream Team got him off on a uh, on a, uh, a plea of temporary insanity. Uh, the first time in American history that that was that that was done. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's a scandal. And I want to note for your uh, for your listeners that many there haven't been too many biographies of of of, uh, of General Sickles, but most of them, for whatever reason, concentrate on this trial and forget about everything else that I've talked about, or just run roughshod, devote a few chapters to to the rest of his career. But the, the bulk of their books, I want to warn anybody who's going to go run out and buy a Daniel Sickles book, that check it out because a lot of them. Uh, uh, a lot of the biographies uh, concentrate on this. After, uh, after, after that, uh, he, after the acquittal, he went back to Congress. And, and without going into all the details, in 1861, uh, when the war came, he raised uh, a brigade uh, for the Union Army of Volunteers called the Excelsior Brigade, all New Yorkers, because a brigade is, 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 um, is commanded by a brigadier general, and he had raised the brigade. This man, who had absolutely no military experience whatsoever, none, uh, the only time he's known to have fired a gun is when he killed, when he killed uh, uh, the uh, uh, Philip Key. He uh, he was uh, uh, he became a, a, a brigadier general in the uh, volunteer uh, in the U.S. Volunteers. He fought uh, incredibly well in the early battles uh, from Bull Run. First and Second Bull Run, uh, Antietam, uh, Chancellorsville, and worked his, um, became uh, close to a gentleman named Fighting Joe Hooker, whose morals were no better than Sickles' were. And when, uh, as, as uh, Hooker went up the chain of command and eventually became commander of the, uh, of the Army of the Potomac, 
in uh, after Fredericksburg in, in December of 1862. Sickles moved up with him and became Third uh, Corps commander of the Third Corps of the Army of the Potomac. If you can understand, if you can grasp the fact that this is a man who two years before had never commanded as much as an escort, was now commanding an entire corps, had no background whatsoever. Uh, as I said, he had fought well for the two years, but he's now in command of a corps. Uh, uh, Hooker is pushed out before Gettysburg or resigns. Uh, at any rate, what happened was Hooker wanted to go. When, when Lee marched into Pennsylvania, Hooker wanted to let him go and rampage through Pennsylvania while he would take the Army of the Potomac uh, down to, uh, through Virginia and capture uh, Richmond and hopefully end the Civil War by capturing Richmond and the Confederate government. Lincoln didn't think that that was appropriate. He wanted him to win the war by defeating uh, Lee on the battlefield. He either put, was pushed out or resigned, whatever the case may be. Uh, at the battle, uh, so the next commander of the uh, Army of the Potomac, George Gordon Meade, inherited much to his disgust, being a regular Army man. Uh, this Third Corps commanded uh, Dan Sickles, and as I said, he moved his his uh, corps out to the uh, uh, out three quarters of a mile out in front of the rest of the Army. When uh, uh, when Winfield Scott Hancock, General Winfield Scott Hancock, who was known as Hancock the Superb. Uh, as, as, as a commander, uh, when hit one of his aides noticed what was happening, he was commander of the Second Corps next to next to uh, Sickles Corps. One of his aides said, "General Hancock, you want me to run to ride down to General Sickles and tell him to get back up on it on the hill on Cemetery Ridge?" And Hancock looked at him and discussed and says, "Don't worry about it. He'll be back soon enough." Uh, but before he could get back, uh, before he could get back, uh, General Longstreet had attacked. Uh, with the Army, with the Second Corps of the Army of, uh, of Northern Virginia. In the battle, because I don't want to go into the battle in depth, but a cannonball took off half of uh, the, the lower half of, uh, of Sickles' uh, right leg. Uh, not only is important because it, it removed him from command of the, of the Third Corps, but he became, uh, he was evacuated to Washington where he became, the, where he came in as the first of the quote-unquote heroes of Gettysburg uh, to come back to Washington. So he had the ear of, of the, the, the uh, Joint Congressional Committee on the Conduct of the War, and as well as Abraham Lincoln. And uh, he was able to explain to them his version of why he had moved the Corps out three-quarters uh, three quarters of a mile in front of the rest of the Union lines, and he was so convincing to his old friends in Congress that the uh, uh, month later the, uh, the the Joint Committee called uh, George Gordon Meade uh, up to Capitol Hill and grilled him very uh, hostilely uh, of why he had not given uh, Sickles the help he needed uh, to win the battle right there. Uh, uh, but uh, by the time Sickles was able to, to return to the Army to report for active duty again, Grant had come east. Grant, uh, being a regular Army man, wanted absolutely no part of him, uh, refused to give him the command, and so he sat at, uh, in Washington at a desk where he spent most of his time uh, successfully pulling off the remarkable stunt of trading his major general's commission in the, uh, in the Union, in, in the Volunteer Army, for a, regular, a major general's commission in the regular Army. And very important because 
uh, eight uh, years, uh, uh, four years, five years later, four years later, in 1868, he uh, retired on a full pension. Uh, it was $6,000 a year. That's the equivalent of $110,000 a year in money today since he managed to avoid, uh, avoid uh, death until 1914. He collected $4.95 million equivalent in pension money uh, uh-huh. from the government. Uh, he then Tim, I'm going to have to hold you for a second. Sure. My producer sure. is waving. We, we've got to go to a commercial, and we'll okay. be back in about a minute and a half. What's your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh. Baby. Oh, 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 Eat a Snickers. Better? Better. Hi! Oh, man! That hurts. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Bud Light presents... Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Every year you assemble your closest friends to prepare for another season in the knockdown, drag out world of make believe football. Four minutes. You were born with the one skill every manager needs to play fantasy football. Absolutely no skill playing real football. Not so good at catching. Imaginary catches. Imaginary touchdowns. Next up, an imaginary score with an imaginary woman. Good imagination. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh Swami of the sidelines. You may come in dead last, but you're always first with us. Mr. Fantasy Football Manager Guy. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Travel Talk Radio with our guest this evening, Jim Devine, who is a lecturer, historian, and author. And we're discussing Major General Dan Sickles, who has quite a, uh, how should I put it, colorful history. Uh, Jim, I I have one question. I understand that Sickles was awarded a Medal of Honor. How did somebody like him come away with such a prestigious honor? Well, he... Uh, he had left Congress in 1861 to become a, major, uh, a brigadier general in the Union Volunteers leading his Excelsior Brigade. He got himself reelected to Congress in 1892. Uh, he hadn't been back since, uh, and uh, he uh, spent his time doing uh, two things. Number one, uh, voting whichever way uh, the uh, corporate interest in New York City he was elected from, uh, from Manhattan uh, told him to vote, for which he collected a nice piece of change. And he spent the rest of his time lobbying uh, Congress for, a, uh, for his uh, Medal of Honor, which was finally awarded in 1897, uh, which is 34 years after uh, the battle. But he, uh, being there as a member of Congress, he was uh, awarded, uh, uh, you know, after all this time, not posthumously, but uh, after all this time, they awarded the Medal of Honor that he was, um, that he was looking for. Uh, that's quite an honor. Uh, maybe somebody ought to start uh-huh. a movement to have it rescinded. Um, now, he was elected and re-elected that, to Congress. How, how did the voters, or were the voters in New York that deaf, dumb, and blind at that time that he was elected and re-elected? 
Well, he was. Uh, well, you notice his career was in two. Uh, his congressional career was in two uh, different uh, uh, different eras. He uh, he spent four years, 1857 to 1861, in Congress uh, uh, representing a, a, a district on in in Manhattan. Uh, that came after his service as as secretary to the U.S. minister uh, to Britain uh, at the time, James Buchanan. So he was uh, uh, he was he came in with credentials that he could present uh, to the. Uh, uh, to the uh, to to the voters, and by the time he went back to run again in 1860 or 1894, <clears throat> he had been by that time he had been a major general in the U.S. Army. He had been minister to Spain. He had been chairman of the New York Civil Service Commission, and believe it or not, he had also been elected uh, and had served as uh, as uh, as as the New York uh, as a sheriff of New York City. And he had also, uh, after the war, he had uh, he had done a very good job uh, down in, Re- in the Reconstruction South as as military governor of two different districts, uh, first in South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, and then he uh, did grant the favor that made Grant pay him back by making him minister to Spain, uh, Grant's uh, protege. Phil Sheridan had been a military governor of Texas and uh, did not like Texans or Texas. Uh, if you remember, his famous saying was, if I own Texas in hell, I'd rent out Texas and live in hell. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> and so he had a hard time. And the Texans hated him back as much as he hated them. Uh, the the furor got so bad that uh, Grant needed to get him out, and uh, uh, Sickles uh, volunteered to switch positions with him. And he actually did a very good job. He uh, uh, he uh, helped uh, poor whites, uh, uh, newly uh, newly freed blacks, and Confederate veterans uh, to get land. Uh, he uh, he uh, battled the the KKK along the Texas uh, shoreline where the plantations had been in Texas, the Gulf Coast area. He put down the, the KKK, and he uh, uh, and he also was uh, much uh, much uh, not cordial, but was uh, much better with the Comanches. Uh, than Sheridan was. Sheridan's other famous line, as you probably know, is uh, is the only dead Indian, uh, the only good Indian is a dead Indian, which is something, by the way, that he did not say. What he actually said, he was asked if a particular group of Indians that he had met with were good Indians, asked by a reporter, and what he actually said was that uh, the only good Indians I've ever said, seen were dead. Not exactly the same thing as the only good Indian is a dead Indian. But anyway, uh, he had all of these things uh, uh, Sickles did uh, on his plus side. Uh, So when he presented himself back to the voters in 1892, uh, and he also ran in 1892 as a Republican. He had been a Democrat back in the 50s, and uh, he was able to, to get himself a district on the east side of Manhattan, a Republican district and was elected for that one year, one term. As I said, he spent most of that time lobbying for that, uh, that Congressional Medal of Honor. But I, I would like mm-hmm. to, Bob, if we have a chance, talk about what I think is the most fascinating uh, thing uh, that he did, and that is his fixing of the 1876 election. And notice we only have about five minutes left. Uh, he came home from Spain in 1876, rejoined the Republican National Committee. 
after eight years of the scandals, uh, scandals of the Grant administration, uh, I believe uh, I've, I've taught in, at my, in my college courses that there were actually 13 separate major scandals during those eight years. Uh, the voters uh, basically looked like they had had enough with the Republican Party. The, the Democrats had come up with a good candidate, Samuel Tilden, governor of New York, Samuel Tilden High School, and uh, looked like they might get into the White House. They had not been in. It was actually called the Executive Mansion. They had not been in it since uh, Buchanan had been had been uh, had left in 1861. And uh, 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 Tilden looked like a pretty, uh, a pretty had a pretty good chance at it. The Republicans uh, came up with a dark horse candidate, Rutherford B. Hayes, the, uh, the governor of uh, of Ohio. Uh, and uh, well, on election night, uh, uh, Tilden had 184 electoral votes. Uh, 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 Hayes had 165 electoral votes with 20 votes outstanding, meaning that all Tilden needed was one of those 20 votes and he would have been elected president. Uh, 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 our friend uh, General Sickles was the first one to figure out that uh, ways that if the Republicans could get their hands on all 20 of those electoral votes, their man Hayes would win 185 to 184. One vote was in Oregon. That vote was a, a technicality of whether a, uh, an elected government official, in this case a postmaster, was, uh, was, able, was, was eligible to vote in, as a presidential elector. The, Democrat, uh, the uh, Republicans took care of that by bribing the Democrat to, uh, to drop out, and the uh, Republican came in. Uh, was, was, uh, was, his election was certified. That gave them one vote. The other 19 votes were in the southern states of Georgia, uh, rather of Louisiana, South Carolina, and Florida, and they were just, he said, uh, she said, or rather he said, he said, as to who, uh, as to who was going to, uh, you know, who's, whose electors should be sent to Washington. Uh, when it came down to it, in the end, uh, the election was thrown into the, uh, the, the House of Representatives, as the Constitution calls for, because they couldn't decide who was about those, those 19 uh, electors. Uh, the, uh, the, the House couldn't figure it out, so the House and the Senate formed an extra constitutional 15-man committee to, to straighten out this mess. The clock is ticking, by the way, as going to March 4 when inauguration date would be. Uh, once again, uh, our man Sickles figures out that if we send enough bribes down south and if we can pull the Union troops, uh, the, the federal troops, out of the last three reconstruction states that they were in, which are South Carolina, uh, ironically, Louisiana and, and, uh, and Florida, that the Democrats down there will vote for, uh, will, will, will vote in that case for, for Hayes, which they did. General uh, James Garfield, who later became president of the United States in 1880, was sent down to negotiate with the Louisiana people. He came back to New York and told Sickles, I thought I knew something of men in greed, but I have never seen anything like those Louisiana people. Uh, uh, Sickles masterminded this entire operation, which, which basically, which without any question, fixed the 1876 uh, presidential election. That may be his crowning jewel, as far as I'm concerned, in everything uh, that, uh, that he did. Although the, uh, for sheer goal, perhaps the, uh, I'm not sure whether uh, to, uh, managing to uh, get the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Medal of Honor or managing to uh, worm his way out of the embezzlement thing in 19, uh, 1912. 
they they certainly are shiny jewels uh, too, to say nothing of his uh, of the uh, of being the first man acquitted of uh, of, um, uh, of uh, by reason of temporary insanity of first degree murder. Hey, I'm surprised that nobody's made a move to have Congress rescind the awarding of the, ma- the medal. If you, you know, I don't know if that's allowed, if that's ever been done, but I can tell you that if they did it with sickles, there's there's a few others uh, that they could probably uh, they could probably do it with uh, also. Uh, they, in in the seventh in the 1890s, the uh, the uh, uh, the uh, Grand Army, the Republic, the GAR was at the height of its political power. They were all by that time in their 50s and 60s, and they were pretty much running things, and and they were throwing out. Uh, Meadows of Honor, like uh, you know, <laughs> like 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 uh, like they were made out of paper. They were giving them to yeah. anybody basically who, uh, who who asked for one at that time. It's not the stringent rules that it became after World War One or even after the Spanish-American War. Teddy Roosevelt, for instance, didn't get a gold gold medal, uh, a Medal of Honor, even though he he led the charge up San Juan Hill. Just as one example of how it tightened up uh, within two years after Sickles got his, which might have been what tightened it up. Was was Sickles getting uh, getting his uh, this Medal of Honor for for something where he uh, literally almost lost the Battle of Gettysburg single-handedly? Uh, although there is a small there is a second second que- uh, set of uh, of historians and history buffs who will tell you that uh, that Sickles saved the Army of the Potomac by doing it. But I think anybody who knows anything about military affairs, if you look, if you're not a revisionist. Uh, historian, uh, one who just wants to change history for the sake of changing it, uh, you uh, look at a map and you realize uh, that he came pretty damn close to splitting the Army of the Potomac right in half by his by his uh, actions, which, as I said, were a direct, uh, uh, directly opposite what uh, what uh, uh, what what Meade wanted. Matter of fact, when Meade had called a when he was marching his troops left west. Jim, I, I apologize. We're going to sure. hold you. We're just about out of time. Upcoming shows sure. are going to be a one-man musical with A.J. Holmes, and then we're going to go to the Lake of the Ozarks. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Travel Talk Radio with our guest, Jim Devine. Thank you very much. Have a good day, and everybody stay safe. Thank you very much, Jim. Okay, we're off the air. We're off the air right now. Jim, are you there?